Now in this text, this is the one about a virtuous woman. And I think I've preached from this twice at Emmanuel, once about five years ago and once 16 years ago, and maybe once 20 years ago, I don't know. But I could preach from this every Mother's Day, and I might from now on. And there's a good reason for it. It's reason why it's the greatest text in all the Bible for a mother. And may the Lord bless His Word this morning as we read it together. And I'm not going to read the whole passage. It starts in verse 10 and goes through the end of the chapter. Uh, one of the men asked me, and I'm so thankful. I come in here Sunday, last Sunday after telling Sue all week, no, I don't need to call nobody. I, I'll be all right. Sunday's coming. I'll be all right. And I told everybody the man of faith that I am. I was trusted in the Lord. And I did trust the Lord, and He did take care of it. But I wasn't able to stand, wasn't hardly able to walk. And on Saturday night, Brother Moore said, I want to help you, preacher. I'm ready to roll in the morning. And Brother Jimmy on Sunday night. And I was asked, you think you can preach, stand and preach next Sunday? And I said, you better believe I can. It's Mother's Day. I wouldn't miss it for nothing in the world. If I had to stand up here with crutches, I'd do it. Or Barry Shirley's walker. I done told her this morning that I could have sure used it this past week. But I'm a lot better, and I want to thank everybody for your prayers and all the good texts and calls. That it just made me feel so much better when I'd get a call or a text and somebody'd say, "Preacher, I'm praying for you." Boy, is that precious or what? And so I want to thank you. As the Lord blesses, verse number 10, here's what it says. I'll read 10 through 12, and then I'll read 26 through 31, and I'll make comment about all those things that are in between. Beginning in verse 10, as the Lord blesses His Word, who can find a virtuous woman, for her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Now in verse 13 down through verse 25, and I've got these written down in my Bible if you want, if you want them, I'm going to tell you what's in those verses, what's in all those verses, and I'll make some comment about them if time permits this morning. But in verse 13 through 25, she's a provider for her family. She is smart. She is industrious. She's not lazy. Uh, she has compassion. She's fearless. She's strong. And she's wise. Every one of those things are there. But I'm not going to comment on them except as they might apply with the things that I want to share with you related to this text. Then verse 26 through verse 31 and I want to read it. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, 
and beauty is vain, but the woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Now, first thing I want to do this morning is I want to share with you, we don't normally use that word virtuous in our conversation. I don't know that I have ever, I've used it reading Bible verses or preaching, but to use it in everyday language, I just don't use it. And so I'm assuming that everybody is like myself. You're not really sure what that word means. I want to share that with you right quickly. The word, a simple dictionary definition, and sometimes the simple ones are the best because they're easiest to remember. So I want to give you this. The simplest dictionary definition means that it is having moral qualities and behavior. Moral qualities and behavior. In other words, it is a word that says character. Character. So that's what that means. In the Old Testament, it's used three times. It's used, of course, in our text. It's used in Ruth chapter 3 and verse 11 because it says that Ruth was a virtuous woman. And then it's also in the 12th chapter of this book. You can turn back there if you want to in chapter 12 because I thought this was kind of... Sometimes, you know, the book of Proverbs can be funny. I mean, when you think about it, when you read, I love the book of Proverbs, but in chapter 12 and verse number 4, here's what it says. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh a shame is rottenness in his bones. That's a pretty good definition, amen? And so, uh, I like that verse of Scripture. In the New Testament... It is, of course, mentioned in the book of 2 Peter twice in verse 3 through 5. But then I'm going to read this one in Philippians and chapter number 4. Uh, I, I, you can turn there if you like. Philippians chapter number 4. And it's an interesting passage that's found there related to that and teaches us a lot. Philippians in the fourth chapter. And let me read in your hearing uh, verse uh, verse. Uh, verse number 8. Verse 8. Listen to what it says. Very long verse, but it teaches us something. He says here, Paul does, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue... And if there be any praise, think on these things. I'm going to give you some medicine for depression. I tell these boys every once in a while, when they walk up and they stick their hand out and they got a big smile on their face, and they're going to show the preacher how strong they've become since I shook their hand the last time. And I tell them, you know what, I, was, I told two of them this morning, I said, you know, I was in a good mood, I was, had a good attitude, I was all lifted up and exalted and felt good, and long you come, and now I'm going to be depressed for the rest of the day after shaking your hand. And they thought that was funny, of course. But here, I'm going to give you some medicine this morning. Did you ever think you'd get some medicine from the pulpit? Well, you ought to think that, because 
if a preacher's doing the right thing, there's medicine, there's good medicine comes from the pulpit. Amen? Good medicine. Well, here's the good medicine. This is medicine against depression, down moods, or whatever you want to call it. It's actually spelled out in the Bible. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if you want any virtue, it comes from these things. And it says, if there be any praise, think on these things. And I say that all the time. We sing that song, count your many blessings, name them over and over. You have a hard time being in a bad mood if your mind is fastened on the good things God's blessing you with. I believe that. I know it's true in my own life. And sometimes, I want to warn you about this, sometimes it can be a sin, a pure sin, to be in a bad mood. It can be. If it's caused by something that you should not be allowing it to happen. And I tell people this all the time, preaching from the pulpit, there's no room for true faith and fear to exist together for very long. It may exist a little while. If I walked up on the rattlesnake and I heard that rattle in the bushes, there would be fear come on me, and then I'd move, and then the fear goes away. You see? And so there's no place for that. So there's good medicine in that, and it talks about the virtue. So that's what that means. It means to have moral qualities and behavior. Moral morals. I want to tell you something. We need that in America today. Moral qualities and behavior. We really need that in our land. Now I want to give you right quickly three reasons. This thought come to my mind. Three reasons why this is the greatest text for Mother's Day. The greatest text in all the Bible for Mother's Day. And I'm going to tell you why. It's good reason. Number one, this is God's description. This come from the Word of God. This was inspired Word. This is like God speaking audibly to us and saying, this is what a godly mother is like. He put it in there. We all have different ideas about what a good mother is. And we ought to have good ideas. And I I know that sometimes a mother uh, may fall short And we all fall short. We really do. We fail in carrying out the things the Bible teaches. And so, moms, I want you to know, you may fall short, but i got good news for you. You've got a good standard in here where you can judge yourself and judge your works for. And so, uh, this is coming from God. And if I ask everyone in this building this morning, I want you to take a pencil and pad and write down the description of a good mother. And you could do it. All of us could do it. But this is different from my idea of a good mother. This come from Almighty God. This is what He says. This is what He says. And so that's what makes it uh, a special special, uh, passage of Scripture. Makes it the greatest Mother's Day text. Now the second thing is that it gives husbands, and they're mentioned here, that gives husbands and children and grandchildren, it gives them a measurement on how to determine, is my mother a godly mother? 
Now that's a good question to have. And you know what? You may say, well, I don't think my mother's a godly mother or was a godly mother, but I loved her and I appreciated her and she loved me and took care of me and all that. There's good qualities that are there. There's always good qualities that are there. And so we have a measurement. We have a gauge whereby we can uh, honor them as being a biblical and godly mother. We have ways to do it. You can sit down and read the text that we have before us. Now, I, I've, I've lost all of my, as far as blood kin mothers, I, I've lost my grandmother. I, I had two grandmothers, of course, and one of them died about two years before I was born. So I never knew her. I never knew that mother. And she, my mom was 15 when she died, and she was 16 when I was born. Uh, my mom wasn't very much older than me when I grew up. We kind of grew up together, you know. There was a blessing in that. But I've lost my grandmother. I've lost my mother. I don't have them anymore. I want to tell you this morning, if your mother's still with you, you need to honor her today. You need to honor her every day of the year. Because, listen, I can tell you that there will come a time maybe when you don't have her anymore. There'll come a time when you'll do like I do. I wish I had her back just for about an hour. I'd love to talk to her just for about an hour. My mother's been gone uh, one year older than Elena. Uh, she, when Elena was born, she had died one year previously. I, I remember so well, she didn't have any uh, great-grandchildren, and Shonda was trying to get pregnant, and... Uh, she kept saying to me, I hope I can, she had cancer then, I hope I live long enough to meet my little grandchild. And she'd say it over and over and over, and Lena, one day you'll meet her, and uh, she'll be able to see uh, her great-grandchild. But if your mother's living, listen, there'll come a time when you wish you, wish you had her back for just a little while. And we don't want them back. If they, listen, if they were saved and went to heaven... I wouldn't want her back for nothing in the world. Not nothing in the world. And she don't want to come back either. I can tell you that for sure. So there's a way, a measurement. But I, what I started to say, you know, I've lost my mother and I've lost my grandmother. I love both of them so dearly. But you know something? I got to thinking about this. You know, I've lived with the greatest mother that I've ever known for over 50 years. Now, she don't like for me to praise her, but I want to tell you something. It's biblical here. The Bible says I can do that. I'm her husband, and, and I can praise her in front of everybody. And, and I know her better than anybody on the face of this earth. I know her better than anybody. And I'm thankful. Even though I've lost my blood kin mothers, and I want to tell you something else too. I have been on cloud nine for many, many years because I know so many godly mothers. And I want you to know, you that are a part of Emmanuel Baptist Church, that you are a blessing to me. You are a blessing to me. I love to talk to you. I love to see you. I miss you when you're not here. And I pray for you, that God will help you. And I just appreciate you so much. But then there's one more thing I want to mention. Why it's the greatest text in all the Bible. It's the greatest text because, listen, if you're a mother this morning, 
And God has saved you by His marvelous grace. You're a child of the King. Amen? You're special because you are special to Him. You have... There's something that... I, I want to say something. And I want to challenge you this morning with this. Every person that's been saved... Brother Moore preached an awesome message last Sunday morning. You must be born again. You know that means something, don't it, Brother Moore? When a person is born again, that means that they're not the same anymore. That means they can't never be the same anymore. And if you're a mother this morning that's been born again, God has saved you by His marvelous grace. There's something you've got. And every child of God has it. It is a driving desire to please God. I'm telling you that. I know that. I know that because it's something in me. You have that. And I want to warn you this morning, if you claim that you've been saved and you don't have a driving desire to please the one that saved you, something may be wrong. You may not be saved. You may have made a profession of faith and you may not have ever been saved. I know that for the Christian there can come times when we're distracted or misplace our priorities and that desire may dwindle a little bit or whatever, but guess what? If it dwindles a little bit, if you really are saved, I know what happens. The Bible says it. The Lord will bring you back. The Lord will bring you back. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, when preaching the gospel, if, if, if you're true and you preach the whole counsel, not only are you preaching the wonderful blessings that God gives, but I want you to listen to this. Every once in a while, there's warnings in the Scripture. And they are straightforward. I heard a sermon this past week that just really put chills up my spine about that. There's warnings that are in Scripture. You know, guess what? People don't like warnings, do they? They don't like them. Preacher, if you're going to preach like that and you're going to warn me, I'm, I'm better than that. I don't want to listen to that kind of thing. And if the preacher preaches warnings that come from the Word of God, he creates an atmosphere where everybody knows what those warnings are. And so, that's a part of it. That's a part of it. And so, uh, this is uh, uh, the opportunity for godly mothers to pour over this text and learn how to be a godly mother. And if you fell short somewhere, guess what you can do? You can say, Lord, I repent. Forgive me and give me grace to correct this or that. If we ever get the attitude that I don't ever need to correct anything, we're in trouble. The Bible says that we need to take heed if we think we stand because we'll fall. That's exactly what will happen. We can be lifted up in our pride when God blesses the humble. God don't bless pride. Please understand that. God does not bless pride. And when we go through life and we, we uh, just keep elevating and getting better and all this stuff, and then the next thing we know, we're proud. And pride goeth before a fall. That's one of the warnings in the Bible. So, let me tell you something, Christian. Don't let that creep in. Don't you dare. I've known so many over the years they got to feel and they was better than anybody else. I'm the king of society. 
I'm the queen of society. I've seen them fall. I've seen it happen. I've witnessed it over and over. There's been a many a time that I've said to my wife, I've got such a burden for so and so. I'm praying for them because it brings fear in my heart what can happen if they don't straighten that up, if they don't correct that along the way. So it gives the mother an opportunity to find, I want to tell you something, mothers, you want to know how to be the best mother in all the world? This is it. God said it. God said it. This is God's opinion about what a mother should be. Now I want to mention this. I think these are some important things. First of all is her rarity. I wish it weren't so, but it is. You know what the very first words of our text said? Who can find a virtuous woman? Who can find a virtuous woman? Well, I want to tell you all something. In the world, there are not many. But I want everybody here, and I want everybody that may be uh, participating in the worship service by way of social media, all over the world, I know some of you can't do this, because you live so far away, but if you live anywhere reasonably close, if you want to rub shoulders with virtuous mothers and virtuous women, come to Emmanuel Church. I'm telling you, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. It, it'll be a great blessing to you. They are rare in the world. They're rare. Who can find a virtuous woman? And you know, a lot of times I have the opportunity to talk to young people who get to thinking about their future and finding a mate that would make them happy and be fulfilled and all kinds of things like that. And uh, I get the opportunity to talk to them and everything. Uh, Sue and I was watching... Family Feud the other night. Have you ever watched that program? Well, here was one of the questions that came up. Uh, they interviewed so many people, and where's the best place to find a good good wife? I I said it. The number one is going to be church. And guess what? Number one was church. <laughs> number one, not a bar, but church. That's how you find them. That's how you find them. Amen. And so, uh, I, we, if, if you're out there and you would like to interact with virtuous women and men too, I invite you to Emmanuel Baptist Church. Because around here, we encourage it. The preacher preaches it. And he have, actually tells you every once in a while, if you don't straighten up, if a right don't get you the left and wheel. <laughs> ah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But... Virtuous women, they, they are. They're not rare here, but they are rare in the world. So, her rarity, her rarity is found in our text. Also, her value, and I like this part, her value is found in verse 10, of course, also. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? Now, you don't, you don't hear much said about rubies today. I want you to know the reason the Bible used that term was because that was something rare. It was something used in trade and commerce and industry. 
When you read this text, you'll find this woman was an industrious woman. So there was ways, uh, you know, this woman here in Proverbs, she didn't have any dollar bills in her pocketbook. Her husband didn't either, unless they had got a good idea for printing money and, and made one or whatever. But see, that wasn't the way of commerce back then in that time. You say, well, what was it? It was rare metals and stones. It was gold. It was silver. It was rubies. And I don't even know if they had discovered diamonds here in the book of Proverbs in, uh, in, in this day. I don't know that. Uh, maybe some of you can help me and, and tell me, yes, they, they did. They did use that. But something of value was what this means. Something of value. Let me give you a couple of uh, things that are said in the book of Proverbs about the rubies. If you'll turn to chapter 3. Chapter number 3 and verse 13 through verse 15. Notice what it says here. It says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom. Now here's something that you probably already know. Wisdom is personified in the book of Proverbs. And wisdom is a woman. It's there. Wisdom is a woman. By the way, I thought this was pretty interesting. You know when they were interviewing the woman to become the next Supreme Court Justice, you saw this, they asked her if she could define a woman. She wouldn't. And you and I both know why she wouldn't. But all at once, the word gets out that the Supreme Court may reverse its uh, ruling on abortion, and now they know how to define a woman real fast. Have you noticed that? Real fast. That amazes me. They can make that distinction under one condition, but they can't make it under another one because they want to be... Uh, Correct. They won't correct. You know what I'm saying? That's what they want. I've got to tell you something. They're going to change this country drastic if we wake up and make some changes in our country. They're going to destroy it. It's going to be a third world socialist country. It's what it's going to end up being. You know that as well as I do. But it says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof of fine gold and she's more precious than rubies. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. A virtuous woman is more precious than rubies. That is her value. I want to tell you this morning, her value is greater than gold. All the gold in the world, all the silver in the world, all the rubies in the world, all the diamonds in the world, that's her value. God said it. God said that is what he's saying here. And so that's her value. Now, I want to use the rest of my time this morning to share with you the sphere of her operation. Or better yet, the sphere of her witness. Her witness. I'm going to mention three things to you. Number one is in the world. You say, preacher, is that in this context? It sure is. Let me just read like verse 13 
She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hand. She's in the world. 20, verse 20. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor and she reaches forth her hand to the needy. Verse 24. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchants. She is a woman who has influence in the world that she lives in in the world that's around her. One sphere of the operation of a virtuous woman is in the world. She's in the world. She has a husband. In verse 23 it says, Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. He was probably an elected official. Her husband. They were community-minded people. That comes out of our text. So the virtuous woman operates in the world. There's no way to get around that. There's no way. You operate in the world. And every one of us, listen to me, Christian, there are people watching you and me every day. They're watching us. They're watching us. I know that my family watches me. I know my church family watches me. I know that everywhere I go, they're watching me. I, run, I went to Lowe's with Sue to get her some pretty flowers. Every year at Mother's Day, I buy her flowers. I let her go pick them out. If I went and picked them out, that might not work too well, but I let her pick them out, and I buy her flowers. So I was all the way over at Lowe's this past week, and I didn't think there was anybody watching me. And there was this fellow watching me. He was just watching me and watching me and watching me and watching me. I found out it was Beverly's grandson. He knew me, but he couldn't place me, and I knew him, but I couldn't place him. But he was watching me making sure I didn't use dirty words or anything in conversation and stuff. Everywhere you, go, everywhere you go, they're watching you. I want to tell you something, moms. You don't realize what an inspiration you are. Especially to your family. My boys make me so mad I can't see straight. No, I'm just kidding you. Of course, the Bible does say you can be angry and sin not. And I am angry. I preach about it every once in a while. And I don't sin in being angry. I'm angry at some of the, Elena, forgive me, stupid people in leadership. She tells me not to use that word. She said, Pappy, that's not nice. <laughs> but, I, listen, all I'll say, imbeciles, or something, <laughs> something like that. And, uh, uh, and so, uh, in the world, she's in the world, and uh, then I want to mention another sphere of operation in the church. Now, I know some of you might be thinking right now, preacher, that's not in this text. Well, it wouldn't be in this text. The church didn't come into existence until the earthly ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the New Testament church came into existence while He was here on this earth. He called it out. He instituted it. He put it in place. And so, the Bible says here in verse 20, let me show you this. In verse number 20, it says this. Uh, no, not verse number 20. It is, in, oh yeah, verse 30. I'm sorry. Verse number 30. Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but the woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Today, the woman that feareth the Lord you will find her in the local New Testament church 
seeking ways to serve her Lord and Savior to His honor and glory because they have that driving desire to please Him. I don't hesitate to say that. I know it's true. I know it's true. So in our day, you'll find that virtuous woman, her sphere of operation is in the local New Testament church. Then the third thing is in the home. All the way through here, it's about the home. There are three institutions on this earth. And God established all three of them. They are the home. They are human government. And they are the New Testament church. That's the three institutions. The very first one was the home. In the Garden of Eden. And God blessed the home. All through the Bible are instructions about husbands, what your relationship should be to your wife. Wives, what your relationship should be to your husband. Very clearly spelled out in the Bible. Children, how you're to respect your parents. Parents, your relationship to your children. It's all through the Bible. It's there. The Bible's all about the home. You know why it is? I got news for you this morning. It is that foundation of any culture, any society. And I want to tell you something. If the devil come to me today and say, Preacher, aren't you tell me how to destroy America? He's not going to, but I already know that he knows this. I've been watching him for many, many years. He would say, Give me your children. Let me educate them the way I want to and I'll create a society that will tear down the very fiber of any culture. And there's never been a time that the home has been under fire like it is today. Like it is today. Who in the world would ever think that there's a constitutional right to kill a baby in the womb? Who would ever think that? It takes a dummy to think that. It's not in our Constitution. And the Supreme Court is simply realizing what I have known for 30 years of my life, that that was a bad ruling. It wasn't meant to be so. You say, what is an abortion? It stops a beating heart. That's all you need to know. It stops a beating heart. And whoever heard of gay marriage? And you know what? If the Supreme Court wises up, that'll be the next thing they strike. There's not a constitutional right for two men to marry. They certainly is not a biblical right for that or two women to marry. I was in a place a bit. Now, I'm just going to say what I think. I always do. And if you don't like it, just don't get mad at me. Just say, thank you, Lord, the preacher says what's on his mind. I was in a place of business this past week walking down an aisle, and there was two noisy people behind me. They were really cutting up. And I turned around, and when I turned around, he kissed him in the mouth.
Now you may disagree with me. I'm probably going to get bad emails and texts and phone calls and everything because you're not the only one listening to this. But I got news for you. You see this book I've got in my hand? You see this book? If you want to know, like my little granddaughter did about six months ago, preacher, what does the Bible say about that? And I sent her text after text after text after text. In the Old Testament, you know what God said do? Stone them. I'm not saying we do that. That was in the Old Testament. That was during the time of the law. That's when God rule was real. You want to know? Well, I just I can tell you this. If you just don't know, I'll just give you one of them. Read Romans chapter 1. Read it carefully. You'll understand. The greatest assault on the home is in process today. But it's been that way for many years. It's just coming to fruition today. It's coming to the point to where we see it and hear it everywhere we look and everywhere we listen. Mothers, please, please, teach your children. Any mother that would let their young person grow up and not be taught what God says about what a young person ought to be. Ought to be ashamed. That ought to be one thing that you repent of this morning. Now I'm going to give an invitation. If anybody's here that's never trusted the Lord as your personal Savior, you come. You can, if, if He's been convicting you, you come and say, you say, I wouldn't know what to say. Just say, preacher, I've trusted the Lord and repented of my sins. I want to follow Him in baptism and membership in a New Testament church. You come and do that. If you're here and you're a mom, you might want to come up here and say, Preacher, I just want you to pray for me and I'm going back to my pew. That's fine. You can do that. Whatever the need might be, I invite you to come. Brother Aaron, you lead us in a closing number. Now bow with me. Father, we, we thank You and praise You for this text. And I know I haven't even given it close to justice. But it's a burden on my heart that the home... And the family is your great first institution. And Lord, I know we should take it seriously. And Father, if we're failing in any way, help us. And I pray this too. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I pray that everybody listening would make a commitment when they go to the polls to vote that their loyalty would not be to a political party, but to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and His Word. Oh God, please touch hearts. In Jesus' name and for His sake we pray. Amen.